on this issue of missions. Bob has done a great job taking us to several texts, and I want to close it out uh, today in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So if you'll turn there with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And I want to use verse 18, the question that Paul asked, what then is my reward? My history of missions, born and raised in a Southern Baptist church, and as, as Southern Baptist church or as can be as different as fundamental churches, um, just because one does one thing doesn't mean the next one down the road is going to do the same thing. But what they do have in common is the cooperative program for uh, those that are missionaries, which is a good idea, just in the idea part, uh, that missionaries or those who graduate school who are accepted as missionaries uh, can go out. They can be accepted by uh, the cooperative program or the International Mission Board, and then they go out. They don't have to go to churches. They don't have to raise support. They simply go out and the churches together uh, support them. But if you ran a church like I was, you never met those people. Right. The closest we came to it was at Christmas with a Lottie Moon offering. And you need to, and that's, and she was an interesting person. You need to read about her. But I never, I never met missionaries. Not until I went off to Bob Jones University and missionary prayer band that they would have after supper each night that I didn't go to. Some of my, my own roommates surrendered to the call of the ministry and missions, and so I got to see them. Ended up in independent circles, which usually make a big deal about missions in some degree, and ended up at Bible Baptist Church, and I meant to ask the question earlier uh, of them, but Bible Baptist supports somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 missionaries huge missionary budget. And that's where my love of mission started. We had a missions conference. We had missionaries in, their kids in, and it was, it was great. In fact, one family, and, and their name slips me right now. I've been trying to remember it since yesterday. Um, but a family had three or four little boys. I, I remember them running around, and they had suspenders on. They were cute as a button. And they went uh, to a country just on the other side of China, above India, Got a guess? Nepal. There you go. There you go. And they weren't there long until they died in a plane crash. I don't know what Bible Baptist Church gives each missionary, but I made a decision then that I wasn't going to do missions that way. I wasn't going to give $25 to every person that walked in the door so that we can brag, hey, we've got missionaries all around the world. Made a decision that we were going to have few missionaries and do a lot for them. Okay? Which means we don't have a lot of funds to expand it. I've got missionaries that call at least monthly, sometimes weekly they'll call. Here's the answer to my question. 115 missionaries. Bible, Bible Baptist Church supports. And that's great. That's fine. That's the, way, that's the way they do it. Greg agrees with me, or did. He's retired now. He agrees with me. It's, it's, I don't know these missionaries. I remember walking in with Stuart and Laverne to see him, and he had no clue who they were. And that's, again, they haven't been here that, that often, and yet you just can't get to know 115 missionaries. It's just not possible. But I had a love for missions. You know, Bob mentioned this the other week that I would go to Zimbabwe if I could. I'd leave tomorrow. I would. I think one of the reasons the Lord seemed to make me sick was He nailed my feet to the ground. Um, I do. I love it. I love you, but I do. I love. I love the foreign field. I love missions, and I and I've I've, I've been several places and. There's no place like Africa. I understand why Livingston said that buried my heart here. It's, it's a different different feel. You start thinking through that, okay? What, what makes people surrender their lives to go to a foreign field and spend their life there and sometimes die there? What, 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 what causes that? What, what makes a cobbler 
a shoemaker. Surrender it all, and I want much to surrender. And go to a mission board and tell them I'm going to India. If you'll hold the rope. And it became the example of the father of modern missions. But it cost him. It cost him. What would cause an Olympic, Olympic, Olympian, an Olympic champion to leave all the glitz and glitter that comes with a gold medalist and go to China? What would cause that? What would make a doctor leave his practice to go be a missionary? I didn't, I didn't say a doctor on the field. I meant to be a missionary on the field. Think of all the education they've gone through to become a doctor. And you dump it all to say, I'm going to a place to proclaim the gospel. Why would they do that? Why would an accountant do that? Why, why, and I'm, I'm going to enlarge missions to ministry if you'll allow me to do that because just because my feet and Bob's feet and Jonathan's feet aren't on the foreign field doesn't mean we've not been called to ministry. So this is a bigger issue. But ministry, what would cause a, a guy who is a, who's gone to pharmacy school, who's become a, a pharmacist, who has his own pharmacy, two locations, what would cause him to leave all that and go to Grace Church and to Master Seminary and become a preacher. What, what, what would cause that? Or on the other side, what would cause a businessman to give untold riches to missions? What would cause him to do that? What would cause a widow to give out of her poverty to missions? I remember years ago, Dr. Bob was saying, Bob Jones University was built on $20 checks. Often by widows and people. Piedmont could probably say the same thing in its beginning. That Dr. Bob used to say, I used to have a, 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 a get a letter and I was in torn between what to do because the letter would say, would you pray that I'd be able to give you $20 and would you pray that my husband will quit smoking and would you also pray we'll have good tobacco crop so that we can send you more money. <laughs> what causes people to leave it all behind to go to the mission field? What makes an ex-Marine and a felon and twice divorced became an engineer to leave it all with his wife and to sell all their earthly belongings to go to the mission field? I'm talking about people, not talking about categories God can't use them they're broken you thank the Lord he uses broken vessels else he has nothing to work with right and I know we're sitting there going God can't use me God can't use a broken vessel God doesn't need me I've said often that being a doctrines of grace person is a good place for lazy people to hide. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody's going to be saved. It is to be saved. Why should I go and why should I give? I mean, it's going to happen, so why, why should I participate? Or missionaries are, are those that are trained in seminaries and Bible colleges and, and people with a number of agree, degrees that go. I mean, I'm just a simple person. I'm just, a, I'm just a person, I'm, I'm a laborer. I, I mean, I've got calluses on my hands. I, 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 what am I going to do for the kingdom? What makes people go to people that did not ask them to come to proclaim a gospel they don't want to hear of a Christ they do not believe in? What makes them go do that? What makes people leave all of this? And there's a lot of this. 
By the way, the number one reason that missionaries leave the field, and I'm not talking about on vacation, and I'm not talking about retirement. I'm talking about coming off the field, never to return, is cultural differences. Often a spouse and children that refuse to live in that economy when they could live in this one. What makes people leave all this? To live among a people not like them. Well, it's called the call of God upon their lives. That's what it is. And I wish I could, could explain it. I wish I could explain to you the overwhelming burden that God places upon some people to go spend their lives to proclaim the gospel. That is as much a mystery to me as the gospel is itself. I, I look out and, I, 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 and I'm not talking about just here, but I, I look out among the sea of people that proclaim the name of Christ and who love the Lord and I see, man, that person will make a great person on the mission field or, or that person will make a great person on the mission field and the person that goes is the janitor. Yeah. Why is that? Paul said there in verse 16 of chapter 9, there, if, if I preach, for if I preach the gospel, that makes no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. For woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe, it's used 7, 47 times. It means alas, an expression of grief. I'm, a great grief is upon me if I don't proclaim the gospel. It's cast him into utter grief. We could also go to James chapter 3 where it talks about there's a failure to obey that call result in suffering of serious chastisement. The severest judgments are promised upon those unfaithful ministers. Or go to the book that we're going through in Colossians chapter 1. Go there with me. Colossians 1. Look at verse 20. I'll start verse 24. Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake and for, for in my flesh I'm filling up which is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of His body that is the church of which I become a minister according to the stewardship from God that is given to me to make the Word of God fully known. That was His burden. We're in the book of Jeremiah and you don't have to turn here but in Jeremiah chapter 20. In verse 9, it reads, If I say I will not mention you or speak anything of this name, there is in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with withholding it. I cannot. Melody will tell you in our rotation of how we speak and, and who's speaking. When, when I'm not in the pulpit after a couple of weeks, I start pacing the floor. I've got, I got to say it. There's a fire that's placed into the hearts and lives of people with the gospel. And I can't fully explain why God does that. And to who He does it to. I mean, who would have picked that group for His disciples? It's not a calling that cannot be ignored, neglected, or even slighted, someone said. But it cannot change, be changed. Not far from here is the city of Robbins, which we have some people from. I never go to Robbins that I don't think of my uncle that lived there who was a pharmacist. He had a son whose name was Roland. And Roland was a gifted preacher. He went to BJU and graduated and come out to be a preacher. That's what he wanted to be. If you're coming into Robbins from where 705 comes in, coming in that way, just before you cross over the railroad tracks on the left, there's a building right there on the corner. I never see that building that I don't think about my cousin. He built that building to run from the Lord about preaching the gospel. 
wasn't long after he built the building, he put paint store in there. It wasn't long after he built the building that he got Hodgkin's disease and it, about a year later he died. At his funeral, my uncle said he died because he did not obey the call of God upon his life, end quote. That the text that he used was Paul's text, Woe to me if I preach not the gospel. Folks, it's like a burning fire shut up in your bones. Paul's saying here, it's such a it's such a fire, it's it's such a, a burden upon me. I, I can't silence it. I can't I can't stop this. I'm under a stewardship, I'm under a, a call, he says. He has no choice. My grandfather, as I've mentioned to you, was Miss Annie's pastor. At the age of sixteen, the Lord started dealing in his life about being called to preach and he he ran everywhere he could run physically sometimes mentally especially working in a planing mill that he would own and at the age of 18 God took off his left arm won't go through all of that when the doctor cut the rest of it off he said no, I'm burying it because that's what God took off of me for me to surrender this is going to sound strange to you but at the age of 16, when the Lord started dealing in my life, you know what, the, what popped in my head? That story. My grandfather, and I don't, never met him, but I saw in his writings, he said the Lord pressed upon his heart, what will it take for me to get you to preach? And he said, you've got my undivided attention. Sitting on the third row at Stephen Baptist Church, I remember the Sunday... I'm out. I'm gone. My mom was in at church that day for some reason. We lived right behind the church. I mean, as close as the bank is to here. And I walked in, and I remember her standing at the kitchen sink, looking out the window, facing the church. And I came in, and I said, Mom, I surrendered to preach today. She never turned around. She said, I know. I know. We have elders in this congregation that accepted that call. And it's not a call of wealth. It's not a call of rights and power and prestige. It's simply a call to proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ. Your elders are praying that from among you God would call forth some of those people. Yet among us, there will be those who stand up and say, okay. That God would plant a burning fire in your heart that you cannot put it out. That's missions. And most of us are sitting there going, Phew. he's not talking about money. Well, I'm changing subjects. We're going to talk about money now. There'll be those that will go. We've got people already on the field. We've got pastors in Zimbabwe surrendering. We've, we've got training going on. We, we've got all these things happening. And it takes money. Yes. Somewhere between 32 and $45 billion a year are given to missions. Now, I don't know where, how they made that figure up and what they drew from, but that's the statistic. But that's marking, among that group, their income is $7 trillion. Well, that's not even a tenth. $45 billion. Put it in perspective for you. $18 billion a year are spent on specialty coffees. And I did it that way because I don't buy specialty coffees. I just buy the big can. Okay. I'm not included in that. $66 billion are spent on lottery tickets. $66 billion, this is what I mean. $66 billion are, are, are spent on tattoo removal. Man, that's maybe the business we need to get into. 
But you know, it's not apples with apples, is it? I mean, for $18 billion, I get coffee. Right? For $66 billion, I get a piece of paper that has very little chance of winning, but at least I get a piece of paper. For $66 billion, I get the removal of something stupid. Mary and you married Martha. You got to change this, okay? It's got to got to change. But what what do I get for forty five billion? What's the payoff? What's the payoff for me to give to missions? Diet pastor, I'm not. I'm, I, it doesn't matter to me. It does. Don't buy about it. You'd like to hear the reports. I do too. I want to see the buildings built. That's a payoff. I get to say, man, that's great. Bob comes back and tells us all that's going on. That's a payoff. That's, man, that's wonderful. But what if you never heard anything like that? What if you never heard anything? What's the payoff? Why give your life to missions? Why give your money to missions? What is your reward? Well, I get a tax write-off. So when they stop that, and they will one day, you stop giving because that was your reward. Is that right? So in this text, I'm not going to deal with the whole thing because I want to look at just one point. And I, if I turned this outline into my professor, he would give me a C on it at best. But that's okay. I want to look at Paul's motivation for missions in his life. Okay. Why did Paul do what he did? You say, well, Eric, I'm not a Paul. Uh, you're right, and I'm not either, but we can learn from him. We can learn from what he's telling the church at Corinth. Remember, this is not the greatest church in the world he's talking to. If you were to ask him, hey, I'm going to Corinth, I want to go to church, he'd go, mm, stay home. What was Paul's motivation? Well, verse, let me sum it up. Verses 1 through 14, Paul makes the argument, I get a right to be paid for preaching. That's it. There's a right there, but I'm not taking it. God set it up that way. You live by the gospel. You preach the gospel, you live by the gospel. You get paid by the gospel. That's what the way it was in the Old Testament. Brought the offerings, sacrifice, priest got some of the meat off of the offerings. That's, that was God's economy. That's what he's talking about, verses 1 through 14. We're not dealing with that. He has said, I have the right. But in verse 15, he says this. But I have made no use of any of those rights. Okay, I have every right to be paid by. I have every right to ask you to pay me. I'm not doing it. Nor am I writing these things to secure any provisions. I'm not asking you to give now. Well, Paul's, you know, he says he doesn't give, but we're going to send him some money anyway. That's not what he's asking for. For I'd rather die if anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. Wait, boasting? I thought we're only boasting Christ. That's what Paul says. My boasting is in the Lord. Yeah, but he's about to boast. He's boasting about something. What is it? For if I preach the gospel that gives no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. Why does he not take a salary? Verses 15 and 16. If we go back to the book of Acts and read about Paul's conversion, we'll find out that not only did the Lord Jesus save him, he drafted him. Yes. Drafted him. In fact, Paul, you know what Paul's favorite word about him and the Lord is? He is a what of Christ? A slave of Christ. He's been bought. He now belongs to the Lord. He gets his marching orders from the Lord. He answers to the Lord. He goes wherever the Lord tells him to go. He's a slave of Christ. He bought me. Where, where am I going to run from from the king of the universe? You ever thought of that? I tried to do that. It finally dawned on me. Where are you going? It is not there. Remember Jonah? Remember Jonah? Look at Jonah. 
Remember where we started out in the book of Jonah? Remember the city? The city of Joppa. It was there he caught the ship out to the ocean. It's interesting in Acts chapter 9 and 10, we have another person that's in the same place. And it's Peter. And I'm wondering when that need and that necessity came, we need you to come preach. I'm wondering if the story of Jonah didn't go through Peter's mind to go, hmm, I know what happened out there the last time somebody went. I'm not going that way. Okay. But he says in verse 16 of necessity, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And he says, what is this boasting? Verse 17, of, for if I do this of my own will, the word could be willingly, gladly. If I do this willingly, gladly, that's my reward. If you willingly and gladly go somewhere and see something, that's your reward. That's it. That's what that's the payoff. You get fulfilled of your desire to go. Paul says that, that doesn't apply. And he says, if I don't of my own will, begrudgingly, that would be Jonah. Could be Paul in some areas. But he says, I've got a reward. But he says also in verse 17, if I don't do it in my own will, if I do it begrudgingly, I still am trusted with a stewardship. I still have a job to do. I don't have a choice. You gotta go. Verse 18. What then is my reward? If I go willingly, that's a reward. If I don't go, I still got a job to do, I still gotta go. So what's my reward do? Look at verse 18. Here it is that in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make use full use of my right in the gospel. He gets to proclaim the gospel freely without charge. He's not exercising his right to be, motiva- to, to be paid. He's not motivated by riches or by power. He's an apostle. He has the right to do that. So I'm not using any of those. But by the grace of God, I will be the kind of person who doesn't find reward or pleasure in money or the pleasure of power. I will find my reward in the gospel as it produces fruit. That's my reward. That's it. I will magnify the gospel by the satisfaction He gives in the gospel. Not by money, not by power, but by what the gospel does. The power of the gospel is my reward. What more then is there? Look at verse 19. For though I am free from all, I've been made myself a servant to all. That Notice the word he starts using here. For though I am free from all, I've made myself a servant of all that I might... What? What's the word say? Win. There's one. Win more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. And we won't deal with this today. But just for a note, Paul was a Jew. What is he talking about? Well, you'll have to study that on your own. I'm not going to get there. But it's interesting. Paul was a Jew. What is he talking about? For those that are under the law, I became as one under the law, not as myself in the law, that I might, there it is, third, win those that are under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not as being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might, there it is, win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win, there it is again, win the weak, I became all things to all. All people that by all means I might win some. Is that what he says? No. He uses a different word. Save some. I do all of it for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessings. 
win. What's the word win mean? I mean, it's a prize. Alabama won yesterday. They get the prize. I hate it, but they won. Okay? Despise it. Okay? Well, we talk about win something like that, and you get the trophy. You get the, you get the whatever. Okay? You can also win an argument if you're a woman. You can win an argument with your husband. Okay? Right? That's a game. You defeat somebody. You win something. Okay? Surprise. But the word win, most of the time in our translations, isn't, isn't translated win. It's translated gain. Turn over back. I'll just give you one. Philippians chapter 3. And ESV may have done it. ESV, uh, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians moved on me again. Philippians 3. Look at verse 8. Indeed, count everything as lost because of surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. For the sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may... Win Christ. It is. It's the same word. It's the word gain. Gain. It's used in Matthew chapter 16. It's used, I think, seven times. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 just a minute. I'm still, I'm still after what's this reward. I know it's the gospel, but there's there more to it. In other words, is Paul happy with just proclaiming the gospel and turn her off and walk in away. Is that it? Is he happy just preaching like that? And what happens happens. I know I know groups of people that go in and play the Jesus film on foreign soils. And to go put this thing on, people come out, watch the Jesus film, ask many people how many they want to be saved, people raise their hand and they go and they walk on. They don't send anybody to gather them. They don't send anybody to chunk form in church. They don't do anything like that. I'm thankful for the film. But is that it? Is that, is that Paul's boasting? I post in the gospel. I'm glad the gospel goes out. That's what I'm paying for. That's why I give my money so that the preachers in Zimbabwe can go out and preach the gospel and just do it free of charge and that's it. Is that all we're after? Is that all Paul's after? Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look at verses 11 through 15. 2 Corinthians 4, 11. For we live as always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to that which is written, I believe and so I speak. We also believe and we also speak. Knowing that He who raised the Lord will raise us up also with Christ and bring us with Him in His presence. For it is all for your sake that as grace extends to more and more people, it increases in thanksgiving where? To the glory of God. Paul is saying, I do all this because I want to be there for all the thanksgiving that's going on. Have you ever seen somebody transformed by the gospel? I mean, you know, we say saved and really saved. I don't know what the difference is, but that's what we say in the South. Well, they're saved. No, they're really saved. You ever seen somebody who's got really got saved? The joy that's in them? Of understanding of what the gospel has done in them and the joy in... That's the payoff. It's not just the gospel. It's to see in the life of people. What would you parents give to that child that you're praying for to see them come to a saving knowledge of Christ and really get saved and to see their life transformed? What would you pay for that? Mm. That's the game. He gets more, in verse 15, he gets more enjoyers of Christ to enjoy. That's what he says there. That they would increase in their thanksgiving to God to the glory of God. Back to our text in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says in verse 23, I do all for the sake of the gospel that I share with them in its blessings. Notice he doesn't say, he doesn't say I want them to share with me in my blessings. That's what he says. He says, I get to share with them in their blessings. see them enjoy their enjoyment in Christ. 
the nature of that joy and gospel blessing to see a person when their, their sins are forgiven. And they understand that. And they grasp that. That righteousness has been imputed. That not only are your sins forgiven, you stand before the Lord as righteous, clothed in His righteousness. The removal of all condemnation. There is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. I'm set free. Can you imagine being in a courtroom and you're under the, the worst death sentence that could be and they find you not guilty? Can you imagine what your excitement would be when you come out of the courtroom? Yeah, that's a person who's really saved as they understand that. And listen, sometimes that doesn't enjoyment doesn't come till later because they really don't understand what they got in Christ. And the further you get in it, the, the more your joy grows because you're starting to understand that I've been reconciled, that I've been adopted, that I'm in fellowship with Christ. I have hope of eternal life. I am an heir and a joint heir with Christ. Our gospel joy is authentic and satisfying only if we desire to taste this joy in the hearts of other people. Somebody says, Let's, I'm going to read again. Our gospel joy is authentic and satisfying only if we desire to taste this joy in the hearts of other people. I have yet to meet somebody who really got saved who their first burden was not for somebody else. I want mama to know the peace I got. I want mama and daddy to know the peace I got. I, I want my brothers and sisters to know the peace that I got. I want to win gain people that I can share in their gospel joy the question is this do you do you do you share in that joy do you care whether the people in Zimbabwe go to hell or not? Do you care? Or Spain? Or South Africa? Czech Republic? And when we hear of transforming work, does it do something for you? I participated in that. I'm, I'm rejoicing with people that I don't even know yet. Can you imagine what's going to be like around the throne of God when we meet all those from Spain and all of those places that we invested in and we get to see their joy around the throne of God? What a reward. What a reward. We get that reward when we share the gospel with others. You know what Paul's saying? Paul's saying, listen, I want you. You know, we never do the gospel this way. We present the gospel. We give the details of the gospel. Do you ever look at the person and say, I want you to know the joy I know. I want you to be my brother and sister in Christ. I want you. I want you to be my friend forever. I want to gain you. I want your joy to be like my joy. To be my brother, my sister, my friend forever. So I said in verse 22, he changes words not from save, from when to save. Save from what, by the way? Turn back over to Colossians chapter 3, just a moment. Colossians chapter 3 that we'll be in next week. He makes a list there of sins beginning in verse 5. And then he says this in verse 6, On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. We could go to Romans 5 verse 9. We could go to 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 10. But I ask the question, saved from what? Saved by who? Or whom? Here it is. Saved by God from God. Yes. 
You're saved by the love of God in Christ from the wrath of God that's coming. Christ came to reconcile, buy us back to Himself. You know what saved is? Saved is saved to the love of God from the wrath of God. Don't you want that for people? To share in this freedom in Christ? To see and to share and to see this transformation by Christ? What a motivation. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, I want to gain you as my brother or sister in Christ. I want you to know the joy that I know in Christ. I want you to know the forgiveness of sins and the hope of, 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 of eternity. I want you to know what it means to be an heir and a joint heir with Christ. I want you to know what it means to have our sins forgiven and cast as far as the east is from the west that they will be remembered no more. I want you to share in that. Paul's motivation is not money. It's not rights. Not motivated by pleasure. But motivated by the pleasure of blood-bought joy in Christ seen in them. Colossians 1, turn over there with me. Colossians 1, this is why Paul says in this opening chapter, beginning in verse 24, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and I'm filling up that which is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of the body of the church, of which I become a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me to make the word of God fully, fully known. That the mystery hidden from ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints. To them God chose to make known how among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery, but that's what I want you to gain. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all my energy that, I, that He powerfully works in me. What's the reward? There is a reward in the gospel. There is a reward in telling people the truth. There is, there is a reward for that. There is, that's, that's, I'm doing what I've been called to do. But that's, that's, that's not the only one. The reward of seeing people transformed by the gospel. Listen, we need your help to make the blessings of God in Christ known among the people of Spain, and South Africa, and the Czech Republic, and Zimbabwe. So what's my reward? It's not money. It's not power. But the overwhelming joy of the blessings of God in Christ seen in others. My heart is thrilled when I see another person stand up and say, you know, the Lord saved me and now I want to proclaim the truth of the gospel. I have to be honest. I take Bob to the airport and I hate it every time I do. I'd give anything to be on that plane. But there's a joy that goes with that. Joy to know that He is preparing the next generation to proclaim the glorious gospel of Christ. But this is why we give. This is why we pray. This is why we send. This is why we go. In Isaiah chapter 6, you don't have to turn here if you don't want to, but in Isaiah chapter 6, you know the story. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, but over to verse 8, 
after he's put the torch on his mouth and the whole up touched the lips and your guilt is taken away and you're sent to atone, then he says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, Here am I, send me. But God's honest with Isaiah. Let me tell you, Isaiah, it's not going to be easy because I'm going to send you to a people who keep on hearing but do not understand, who keep on seeing but do not perceive, who make the heart of people dull and their ears heavy and their blind their eyes lest they see with their ears and hear with their or blind, see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn or healed. How long, O oh Lord? I mean, how long am I to do that? You're sending me to a people who don't want me to be there, who don't like me, who don't like you. And you want me to go proclaim gospel? How long? Until the cities lie wasted and without habitation, the houses without people, and the land is desolate waste, and the Lord removes people far away from the forsaken places as many as in the midst of the land. Till when? Till the end of time. How long do we go? How long do we give? Till He calls us home. Work's not done. How do I know that? Well, I know there's a lot of lost people out here, but I also know we're still here. We're still here. I wonder if anyone would say here, send me. Why not you? Why not you? I mean, on the mission field right now is an ex-Marine, is a felon, has been divorced twice. He's on the mission field. What about you? Well, I, I haven't been to Bible college. He hadn't either. When Stuart surrendered, he hadn't been to Bible college either. He was a teacher. Why not you? Will you help us? Will you give? I mean, what's it worth to you to see the results of the gospel in people? Will you pray? We need all of these. But my last question is, will you go? I wish I could tell you, as I said at the beginning, how God calls. I know some people in the Lord's ministry that Lord healed and they asked to be included and He said no. It was the guy on the the Lord threw out the demons and threw them into pigs and they went to sea and what island was that Harry where they did that in Kadera and when the Lord's leaving he said can I go with you no go spread the gospel here yeah. it's interesting the first first gathering of people there was a whole whole gathering of people from Madeira who came yeah. Yeah. because that man did his job Epaphras we find in Colossians Paul's never been to Colossae but he went to his hometown proclaimed the gospel we need you to give we need you to pray we need you to get excited about it but we need some of you to go Bob's going to share a little bit of a letter that we received this week from the pastor in Georgia that just made a trip. I won't share all of that. He's going to share that letter. But I will say this. He know, he noticed what we know. Laverne is 74 years old. She's mean enough to live for 100. <laughs> but I think her body's going to give out. Yeah. By the way, in a few weeks, we're going to be voting to receive Laverne to the membership of this church. Yes. Providence will become her sending church. It comes with a lot of responsibility. I wrote her yesterday and told her one requirement, or the first requirement. You must come for six weeks 
and you're not going anywhere. Mm. You're going to sit still and rest. Go to the doctor. Get your eyes straight. Where you go? What's my reward? Somebody got a reward for your salvation. Somebody told you. What would you give for that? Father, it's a message that cuts close close to the corn. We'd rather hear messages how great you are. And we need those. We proclaim those. There's messages like this that cut close, that bring into question how we use our resources and how we use our life. We offer all excuses. I need to buy this. I need to buy that. I can't. I can't give now. I, I got. I got to. Or I, I can't go. I'm, I'm not Bible educated. I, I can't go. I got a limp. I, I can't go. Who would say, "Here am I. Send me." Or you, you know that in the years ahead we're going to need someone in Zimbabwe. Lord, I, the elders pray, Lord, that you'd raise that person, that family up right here. Yes. Father, I pray that our joy is in you and in what you do in people's lives. We've heard a few weeks ago salvation of two what joy. Share in their joy, excitement. So Father, help us to give, help us to pray, but help us to be willing to go. Lord, if, they, if you need someone to go, I'll go. Trust you to make all the resources known. Lord, you own the cattle upon a thousand hills. We're going to hear today how you blessed beyond our imagination. You can do that in the lives of people. You've got to step out. You've got to do it. I'll go. Lord, I pray that our joy is in you and in the gospel of Christ. May we say with all our lives, Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Well, thank you for all that you do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hymn number... What's it?